Hello and welcome to Running on Joy with Francesca Goodwin, the podcast that celebrates putting one foot in front of the other in whatever form that takes. This is a podcast that explores how we can live in a more connected, creative and compassionate manner for the benefit of our communities, our planet and our own mental and physical health. I'm your host, Francesca Goodwin, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what joy means to them. Running on Joy is ad-free, but if you enjoy the show, please do take a moment to leave a review and give feedback wherever you listen to your podcasts. You might also consider supporting the work of Running on Joy guest Dan Lawson through rubbish shoes and rerun clothing to end the cycle of wastage in the sports clothing and footwear industries. Follow at Rubbish Shoes and at Rerun.Clothing on Instagram for further information. Hello everyone, my guest today is something of a philosopher of movement. They're an astonishingly fast marathoner and writer about running, whose ability to push the boundaries of what is physiologically possible is coupled with a curious mind that can riff from the micro details of split times to the macro questioning of why we do what we do when we run. (laughs) I think we're going to have a lot to talk about, so it's my delight to now uh, allow them to introduce themselves in the manner of their choosing. Hello, and welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Wow, thank you. My name is Peter Bronca. I'm in Portland, Oregon, um, and I'm a, a runner, uh, sort of a lifelong writer, but we can get more into how that's evolved. Um, I do it as a passion project. I've made some money technically, but um, I have been sort of building up my run writing um experience over the past decade as i've been getting back deeply into running um so we could also touch on that i grew up a runner and then uh ran in high school university and then kind of took time downtime um and then sort of it's very appropriate that we're speaking now i i really came back to it about a decade ago and then when the there was a bombing at the boston marathon um in 2013 and that was just a personal inspiration for me to recommit to running more seriously and to really testing myself again. And then as a result, um, out of the following uh, handful of years, I started writing about those experiences. And there was sort of this culmination between this hobby of mine and this ability to write, but I had never really had any conviction or focus in my writing. I, um, if we, if we rewind, you know, a decade and a half, there was blogging was very popular and people were just putting different thoughts out there. Um, but I didn't have much focus around uh, what I was trying to say or, or talk about or dive into. And so, yeah, it's been a really fascinating past decade of running a lot more, writing a lot more, and then seeing how the two combined um, has connected me around the to people around the world, people like you. Um, so, yeah, excited to dig in more. Um, I'm only becoming uh freshly aware of all of the interviews you've done all the amazing people you've brought on i was scrolling uh through names that i know and names i don't know but then looking at their accomplishments and their body of work and just really impressed so um honored to be on 
Oh, that's so sweet of you, Peter. And as we were discussing before, I actually sort of serendipitously had your friend Nick on the previous episode. So this is quite a nice kind of diptych. And I've, I've like, I'm a little <laughs> bit of fangirling here going on. Oh, by the looks of oh. things. I feel like the kid what? in the class, he's kind of like, let me join your crew. Or something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the beauty of this. Uh, I, if you were to say there is a, um, you know, overlap between the running world and the sort of creative um world and the people in that overlap are tend to be quite introspective quite interesting quite willing to connect quite willing to toss around ideas nick and i actually only met um under a year ago um but we have a lot in common and just in our sort of intellectual rabbit holes we like to go down uh, although i will say his after just listening to his conversation if anyone's heard it his uh, his ability to wax poetic for um you know, dozens of minutes on end um, <laughs> in, into academic academic circles that I can barely, I feel like I'm hanging on by my fingernails. Um, you know, I love, I, I texted him, I said, I said, I, I've been following your account where you're re, uh, highlighting different books. I didn't realize the name came from the Italian word for the almond, which is the shape of the overlap of a Venn diagram. That wasn't my first guess when I saw it, but good to know the backstory. Um, so I like giving him a hard time. I think it's important for us all as, um, I mean, in any pursuit, but um, in this uh, sort of overlap of creative arts uh really helpful to have people who in a trusting environment you can throw things off of um that's something we can talk about the more i've written um the editing process has been i think is super interesting and is i'm learning more about and is becoming more intense the deeper i get into it it's probably like any craft where um, the closer you get to it, the more rich you realize it is. Uh, I was telling a friend that, let's say a decade ago, when I wrote my first essay about I, the first essay that I put up online about running um, was in 2014. I ran the Chicago Marathon right around the same time that my dad had health a health scare, um, and so I came home and wrote. I like to say I like don't know where that essay came from. Knowing now more about writing uh, or having experienced it more i'm still blown away by how an essentially almost fo fully formed essay flowed out of me that incorporated my family's backstory and my parents religious upbringing and my pursuit of this arbitrary time goal and then it all culminated in a moment at the end of the chicago marathon when i had a bit of this you know, um, I don't even, I would take a lot of words to describe what, what it was, but, um, the final mile of the Chicago marathon with all these emotions intersecting and just being so fatigued, um, was really a memorable moment for me. And I honestly wrote that essay because I wanted to get it down. I wanted to never forget that moment. I wanted to capture both what it was like and why it was like that with all the preceding meaning and emotion uh coming together and so then i i sent it i sent that to a friend who is a writer and she gave me a few pointers on like little edits i could make and then i put it up um and it speaks to i i have 
we talked a lot of, uh, with my friends about like, the, you know, the medium is the message. The platform is the message. The um, In this world of like virality, it's uh, like very interesting to think about like what is success and what are you going for? Um, so I bring that up only because in 2014, things were a little simpler. I put it on medium.com. I put that link onto Facebook. And for me, as an amateur writer, it felt like um, a tidal wave of response. Um, many people saw it. Many people wrote me from around the world. Medium.com highlighted it on their page for a few days over the weekend, sort of like, oh, they're kind of weekend recap of highlights from the week. And that to me was like, oh my Lord. Um, hearing from runners from around the world was just tremendous. And I mean, I, I think in hindsight, it's easy to see why that was addictive. Um, but as I've, um, for instance, I got on this tangent talking about editing, I think it's been a progression for me of saying to the world or to specific people I know, here's, here's something I wrote, you might be interested, or here's something I wrote, um, I think it could be improved or, you know, I think it's worth, it's a little bit of an audacious ask to say, I think this thing that I just came up with could be even better and is worth the time to invest, not just my time that I've already invested, but your time, whoever this is, whoever you're asking for their time. Um, and so it's been a process of collaborating with different people, um, essentially, you know, asking them for their input and then being trading trading time saying I'd, I'd love to assist you in any way I can to be a sounding board to be an editor um because over the years I a little bit moved past the my initial peer set I think I had friends who would give me like oh that was great or thanks so much for sending oh, oh super cool and um that felt really good for a number of years and as time has gone on I've realized oh wait like all of this is a pursuit of something, a pursuit of trying to improve, trying to see if more is possible. And I don't have eloquent words to describe that, but to say to people, oh, just getting praise back is not enough. Um, and if you're getting only praise back, you're probably just, you know, setting it up in a manner where the recipient um, is only thinking of it as something to give you praise for. It's not it depends on the question you're asking. So to ask the question, hey, person in my life, um, would you be willing to not only, you know, read this, but take a moment to critique it and to think about how it could be improved is, it's a really, it's a selfish request. And so it has to be like dealt with carefully um, in particularly in this sort of like nebulous freelance um, world of work. Um, Nick is, you know, increase becoming a friend over the past year and I can under I'm getting to see how his timelines work professionally and then how his work the different gradations of sort of amateur or freelance work happens um so that that is sort of where my head is at now which is okay we can make these things anyone has these tools and you can put anything up but if you say like I want to get better at this what does that mean and uh, how do you pursue it and I feel like kind of what you're circumnavigating there a little bit as well is the nature of competition too, which is obviously something that you have pursued in for want of a better label going down mm. that I am a marathoner <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of route. So do you think that's also why you put yourself 
in the arena, so to speak? Oh, it's a good question. I think so. I grew up running as a kid, and I have I've been trying to do more writing to explore the backstory of how I became the writer, the runner I am now, um, because I grew up with my father being in the running world in the 70s and 80s, um, 60s, 70s, 80s. And sort of I, I don't remember my first run. I don't recall how I came to know about the running world, which is not true for everyone. And it's very interesting to hear different people's entrance into the sport. For me, it's been so ingrained in the world that I've known that the idea of, for instance, competition was just accepted at its face. Um, it, it not particularly like hard charging, um, aggressive competitive, but just competition is um, accepted at face value. Uh, like it's it's exciting. It's um, it's all the things that we could dive into, and so as I've gotten older and I particularly because I stepped away from it for seven or eight years um, competing as a runner, as I got back into it, I was able to see all the layers of the emotions that are, are kicked up by competing. Um, and that's a lot of what I've ended up writing about is, oh, wow, like, why is this striking excitement or fear or insecurity or doubt um, or hope? Um, that's all like the, you know, you could list off all the core emotions, but just realizing, oh, wow, they're all intertwined. And my pursuit of getting better at this craft, um, it did really come about when I settled on the marathon. So I had run the Boston marathon in 2005 and then I ran in 2006 and I thought, okay, great. Like that's sort of the pinnacle of the sport, apparently. Um, done. <laughs> yeah, done. Good. And, you know, I'm just blown away. I think it's more of a big deal now with social media. There's like a lot of, um, it's easier to see other people's pursuits. You know, I, I see people run the New York city marathon, for instance, and then they, uh, all of a sudden run the Chicago marathon. And then they're like, I'm going to run all six major marathons. And I was like, okay. I mean, that just wasn't a thing back a, two, a decade and a half ago, two decades ago. Um, I'm sure some people were doing it, but it wasn't talked about nearly as openly and freely. So um, I stepped away from it, but then coming back to running and specifically the marathon and realizing, oh, wow, I really love people. I really love the emotion of when people come together and decide on a day that something is important and like bring themselves more honestly to an experience. And to me, that's marathon. Uh, marathon mornings is when you just see people pretty stripped down raw from the <laughs> beginning to the middle to the end. And I really love that. Um, I'm a very open and honest person. So I find um I, I think I find comfort in those moments of like, yeah, we're all here and pretense isn't going to get you very far. So like, let's go um, do this together and pursue, you know, whatever our goals are for the day without a lot of, you know, fronting or um, trying to show off. So, yeah, I think that the, even the idea of competition is really interesting because competition in the marathon is... Um, it's a complex thing. It's not as straightforward as a mile where you say, I'm going to go ahead of you. You know, if someone goes ahead of you in a marathon early on, you think, great, like have, have at, like do your own thing. Um, it just, it's the type of distance for me that plays out in a very poetic, like ever elusive, um, infinitely like detailed and complex manner, um, that 
to me, I like I think it's just perfect and wonderful. And I've obsessed it for the last decade. I've more recently, you know, started to make friends with people who, for instance, love the hundred mile distance or love the 50 mile distance. I um I grew up with uh grew up competing in on the track and then on you know short distances out on the roads. And I think the older I get, the more I meet people who love some of those distances, the shorter distances. But as a kid, I would say we all, everyone gravitates to different events, but you don't necessarily even know why. There's sort of just like you're participating and maybe you think on this particular weekend, you can do well or your coach or your team needs you to. Um, and people would say they love certain events. But what I've found is that as amateur adults, you get a lot more conviction around, oh, if that person is, you know, 35 years old and running the mile, they must really love the mile. <laughs> so like watching <laughs> that person really like go repeatedly into the pain box that is the mile, um, you're like, man, um, I might run it once in a while, but if you just keep going back, you must really love it. So it's it's fun to see where people gravitate um, and then how they layer into the competition element. Um, because yeah, I, I think I both embrace competition in certain moments, but also in some ways have made made a lot of meaning and distinction out of the marathon because the competitive element is very thin um, or it's very like self-effacing, I would say. Um, when I've run my best competitive races, um, for instance, I, I love the Boston Marathon. I'm headed to Boston next month for the eighth time. Um, and that to me is a true race because everyone who enters is has a time and gets lined up based on their bib where like based on where they stack up and then you know if you're interested you can pay attention to who you beat and who beat you um and yet it's such a complex day and a complex course and a complex event um to get get right and run well that i've it's only really in hindsight that i think people are able to appreciate or be disappointed by their performance in the moment they're so consumed by all of the factors that it it's less about looking at each other and saying i want to beat you than saying like let's try to do this and then let's see who can hang on the longest mm. and you sort of touch on there this idea of kind of chasing that that precision and kind of marginal gains and i'm put in mind of kind of what you were speaking about in terms of editing as well do you see that there's a synergy there in terms of your your goals in in running and and what you kind of gravitate towards in terms of your writing oh. and editing style that's interesting um it's possible I think I'm I've obsessed the marathon for many years and I've written for many years but the idea writing still feels like infinitely deeper for me than running um i mean i feel i feel like i just have to say this out loud sometimes i'm just blown away by like oh yeah you can just say anything you want on this page like there are no real rules at all <laughs> which just blows <laughs> me away because we read so much there's so much of the content in the world is intended to transfer uh to achieve a direct goal that we all understand implicitly you know for instance like 90 plus percent of the things we click on online in particular 
our follow a format that we understand from the jump so that we can glean the knowledge as fast as possible. And so the, the paragraphs just follow, follow through. And I think it is notable in today's digital era when you click on something that breaks from that, um, that is truly more into the expressive realm that's more creative um so when i sit down not so much with a blank page but at times just sketching out uh half thoughts thoughts uh notes and playing with the words i realize like they're in a invigorating and terrifying way there are no rules and as long as you're achieving something that you're trying to achieve you can try to do that and so um you know for instance the pursuit of the marathon there are many different systems and many different variables that i've learned to obsess around um you know all the physical things uh different systems that you can strengthen all the um mental elements of uh, preparation and just practice and comfort comfort with discomfort all these things um what i find is that in the podcasting and writing world now like all of the core elements can be boiled down and discussed at nauseum um but that what i love is it still doesn't make it um still doesn't really help you do it unless you've done it until you do it um so for instance like the phrase getting comfortable being uncomfortable gets used a lot um as it should because it's core to the experience um as an endurance athlete and then as many people point out like as a metaphor for life um but it still doesn't mean that you're prepared to be good at that until you practice it in your in your own practice in your own life um and so that's where i like to say for instance my writing i think i gravitate as much to not just oh it's about being comfortable being uncomfortable and more to well why is if we all know that why is it so difficult to accept and what are the moments that i go through mentally as i'm well aware of the you know bullet point list of uh truisms that are like ever ready out online or in interviews or in writing um what is it about my own mind or my own experience or my own emotions that is not accepting that even if i rationally understand it um and so that to me is much a, a more interesting layer to dig into and then what i've found is the expression of that uh trying to explore that or trying to answer it lends itself to words that are not um that again could be formulated and lay down the page in any manner possible um and so it could be poetry it could be sort of like just flowing um short form uh long form it just i try to remind myself that not to get stuck in a rut of like uh, the same rhythm um when exploring something that doesn't have to be answered in that rhythm and it sounds like that you're possibly also thinking about grief and potentially I know that you you've written recently about um not being okay actually existing yeah. alongside joy as well and that kind of discomfort um that can happen um and obviously we can't always be prepared for grief either mm -hmm. and trusting in the process of that just like being in the weeds of 
writing or writing about grief and being okay with being in the weeds and not necessarily having it all figured out and I was wondering if um if you're okay with it possibly just reflecting on on how you're inhabiting that space at the moment yeah it's funny a friend of mine said oh I didn't expect this recent essay because you usually write about running <laughs> and I said yeah but if you've read my pieces which you have they aim to get I really aim for I have said to myself honesty and insight like where's the intersection of um real honesty and maybe something that piques my interest that might pique other people's interest um and if I re rewind all the way back to that first essay that I talked about uh, I put it out online or I wrote it down because I wanted to capture it forever I wanted the moment to never leave me uh, I knew it in the moment or soon afterwards that it was one of the highlights of my life and I didn't ever want it to go away and so if you play it forward a decade um, my mom died at the end of August and the emotions I've been going through and the mental emotional even the physical experiences that I've gone through have been really a roller coaster really some of them very surprising to me um and so I've wanted to I've turned to some of the tools that I know which is writing which is um talk about like you can put anything down on the page that you want there are no rules the most recent piece I put out last week titled I I'm not all right um was the most free-forming flowing like tumbling piece I've ever written honestly I it came about I often write into my notes app on my phone lots of uh, little thoughts a few sentences a few words here and there um I've tried to remember the cold hard truth which is like no matter how excited I am about something some thought I have if I don't write it down it's going to be very hard to come back to it uh, so I just like try to hold myself to writing it putting it down and the emotions that had been flowing over the last so my mom died on august 29th i wrote an essay about her death on in the middle of september really just live processing and saying like uh, i need to get this up and out and so again there's the two acts there's the or let's say three acts the the documenting the writing the turning it over then the opening up your circle and saying to others you know um i think this I think I want to share this. Would you be willing to give me reaction, ask questions? Can we go through what is the editing process? But it can look like many different things. In the in the case of the fall, um, when I was just writing about, um, essentially, I didn't know. I knew inherently within hours of my mom dying that I needed to keep moving. I needed to walk. I needed to run. But I didn't want to document any of it on Strava, which was very, seems very petty and like not that important. Like, who cares? You're not training right now. You're just trying to survive. Um, but what I learned through thinking about it, through writing about it, was that I meaningfully didn't want to put on this front of, I'm training for a marathon because it signaled to me and to the world that I'd moved on from the final moments that I had with mom. Um, 
And that was so heartbreaking to me that I couldn't do it. So um, I told myself, like, just move without, you know, with intention, without a plan for about a month. Um, and so I wrote about that. And I think maybe it sounds silly even to say, because it's like, well, it doesn't matter GPS tracking. But as someone who has lived with those tools um, and made meeting with those tools for a decade, um, I found it really interesting. Why was I stepping away from that? Um, so I put out that essay in the fall and then in January, I wrote an essay about, um, all of 2022 and what it was like to still be a aspiring runner and marathoner while my mom was fighting cancer and then ultimately dying and getting to see the ways that it affected me. Um, honestly, it's just given me a tremendous appreciation for how many years I was able to just live at this cusp of a, like physical and emotional health, um, to just smash myself every weekend, um, and recover and smash. And I, I honestly, I took it for granted. Um, I did it so repeatedly. I was able to both meet up with friends, run very difficult sessions to the point where I cut my marathon time from 256 to 219. Um, and then meaning, uh, importantly, I've come to learn, I was able to recover from those sessions because I was in a very good emotional place. Um, and I didn't have a lot of stress uh, keeping my body from settling enough to do what it needs to do to recover. And so, you know, I was I probably if I went back and listened to interviews I gave over the last decade, come off as a little bit um, too presumptuous of like, well, you just do the work and then recover and then do it again. Um, I ran by my own standards pretty poorly in at a marathon last June. And I had told myself and other people that, you know, I was pretty ready to run a decent time. Um, and in hindsight, I'm like, well, mom got out of the hospital, one of her many hospital visits, you know, four days before the race. Like, how was I ever going to run a good race. Now it's possible. Some people do it um, under intense, like soul gripping anxiety, um, fear of your mother's mortality. But at the time I told myself like, well, don't, you can't acknowledge that because that's so, um, you know, it's so real as to be terrifying to everyone in your life. And so um, if there had been any reason for me to stay back and take care of her, maybe like that would have been an out. But as it was, uh, I really felt compelled to continue through the process. And in hindsight, I'm like, because I, I, what I'm not, what I'd forgotten to say is, you know, I both didn't run that well. And then for months was like, why didn't that go well? That was frustrating. Um, and I think I felt that way even until the end of the year. And then as I wrote in January to reflect on the year, and realizing like that was never going to go well <laughs> the emotional fight i was need i would have needed to have and that i have had had um i've had in the past to really fiercely attack the distance in the latter half of a marathon is something that i love and have written about at length and was able to do many times in 2018 2019 um you know pandemic occurs years pass and coming out of it my mom is sick in the first year that I'm really racing and um 
it just it wouldn't it not i'm i'm an example of one but for me it was so consuming that it, i was unable to harness the true pursuit of this like amateur hobby and so then um as I've tried to figure out what the next steps are, uh, I having I've started working with a therapist recently to um, discuss all of these thoughts. As you can probably tell from this conversation, it involves a lot of me talking and only a few questions because I've got so much, so many thoughts in my head. But um, what I knew I wanted to do was put down again. I think there's the writing, the editing, and the publishing, the putting up online, and I think there's value in each stage and the stage of publishing for me um i have a friend who put out a book recently and i said i hope you're feeling well and she said i feel lighter and i said well that isn't that the goal you know um these mo these emotions these feelings they don't define us they are part of us and at times there's value in putting them out and externalizing them um and so yeah i my most recent piece about grief has a few metaphors that relate to maybe to running um a reference to a race a memory a reference to calloused skin on feet but um is mostly about holy shit how am i going to make sense of the rest of my life without my mother um which is you know i think what i've tried to settle on is it only needs to be true for me and as long as i'm not um being dishonest or belly aching for effect, um, then maybe it's worth sharing. Um, and I think that's true. Uh, the best thing someone said to me early and uh, after her death was that grief isn't a competition. Um, and that was has been helpful for me as I've uh, at, attempted to grapple with, you know, how to make sense of the things I'm thinking and feeling while also not over grandizing and um overshadowing like the the variety of true suffering that occurs in the world um many things can be true simultaneously and so that's helped me um and i think writing about it and putting it out has been fascinating it's a different type of piece than my typical sort of explorations of the endurance world and as such, I've gotten different responses. People have reached out who don't normally reach out to me about my writing because they're um, maybe they don't feel like they know as much about running or it's just not what they're about. Um, but yeah, it. Um, I don't know. I'm sure I will write about her again. I don't know when or or how. Um, none of the three times I have written about her have really been planned. Um, but also, I I shall should say I'm referencing a lot of my essays that I put up online or longer medium and longer form. Um, I've been for a handful of years ago, I started writing about my running experience on Instagram. And that's been a fascinating journey. Because at times, I think the same many of the same things are true. It's a different platform. It's a different medium. But these little nuggets of things I'm thinking about, I have found value in like, nailing them down with words and then playing with those words and then putting them out and i often feel during the uh let's say the the months building up to a marathon i feel better having externalized those emotions and tried to name them in some way so they stop having agency over me um whether it's anxiety or whether it's excitement or uh fear or fatigue often <laughs> um it's just 
I, I like to joke that I am like misusing Instagram mostly for the caption box um, and then just get, getting by with some pictures that people have sent me. Um, but it's it's been a lot of fun because it's connected me. It's turned into a platform uh, where I have connected to runners all around the world. Um, and I think meaningfully, I, I had a friend tell me that she... Uh, she's like, I'm not that interested in Instagram anymore. I've been like uh, posting really. Um, she's like, you know, the years go by and you post about the new year and then you post about a birthday and you kind of summer holiday and then ha Halloween, that's the holidays again. And uh, maybe some beach days. Like it just felt like I was doing the same thing year over year. And I, uh, I, that made sense to me. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's been a lot of years we've been at this. Um, and then I realized, oh, maybe that's also why I leaned so hard into turning my personal Instagram into documenting my running journey because I had had Instagram for a handful of years. And then at about the time I got really into running, I'd had Instagram maybe like five or six years. And while I'm happy to share some of my personal life, um, I'm not, I don't have a strong take on how much to be reveal or not reveal. I just think it's not, insanely interesting that i went to the beach with my son or my and my wife um it can be fun you know to post about this or that um but the writer brain in me got churning around all these little nuggets i was feeling um so i mean i a year ago i was in hawaii with my family this time and i remember posting about this hill i'd found which was i was running hill repeats of because I thought I think it is interesting when I'm on vacation and I know the runner part of me wants to stay fit or like, but it's not really the intent of the days, you know, and it, it needs to be shoehorned in around all these things like that. I spend way too much time uh, thinking about and emotionally stressing about like, how am I going to make it manage this? And so then I posted a photo of this hill that I had found, like leading up the volcano on the big island, just saying, I found a good stretch of road and if I run it 10 times, like uh, it'll knock out the anxiety and the fear that I'm losing, you know, my hobby on the side of um, this, what otherwise is entirely supposed to be about, you know, a week of leisure. Um, but as an endurance athlete, I think it's, we could talk endlessly about like, why, why is it difficult to just relax for a whole week? Um, but if that's what I want to do at the time, I think it's okay. So anyways, that's more the way I chose to highlight, you know, the fact that I was in Hawaii, um, which I think is a more maybe interesting and potentially universal. Uh, I struggle with this use. I know Nick talked a lot about the use of I versus we. Um, I have a friend who helps me edit sometimes. And he's like, why are you always saying we, we, we? And I'm like, well, I think A, it's out of insecurity of I don't want to just blab on about myself. Um, and also, I think meaningfully, I'm often I often am writing about things that I think are are interesting because I think they're universal. Like if I have a blister, no one needs to know about my blister on my foot. Like it's not, but if I have a you know anxiety about not actually pushing my body hard in a workout over this week long vacation because of my uh, identity conflicting between leisure and uh, my hobby, like that to me seems both more interesting and potentially more universal. And so I gravitate to 
like the why do we do this or we tend to do this and um but it's something i'm still struggling with how to balance yeah it's a, it's a kind of extrapolation of of the self really into more universal principles i guess that allow for that kind of interconnectivity that actually instagram can be really fundamental in in facilitating in many ways and also what i'm kind of hearing quite a lot of reflections on there is the is the notion of failure and your relationship with it and kind of that being tied to when we reveal ourselves and when we kind of stake stake our goals mm. or or stake our who we are kind of in the ground and whether that's tied to am I am I failing at grief like am I failing um at uh at writing am I am I am I doing this right and when am I telling people about this when am I putting myself out there and saying actually th this is how this is what I'm doing and and how I'm doing it um and I know that you've sort of you've encountered failure in 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 many guises um with with your running and I was wondering if you could kind of reflect on that theme oh man it's so it's so fraught because it's so easy to encapsulate uh, overly simply. It's easy to be simplistic when it comes to like, um, you got to embrace failure. Um, you need to, you know, if your dreams aren't audacious, they're not big enough type of stuff. Um, I'm in a moment of not really knowing how to describe failure, quote unquote, accurately because of all the context necessary i was talking to a, a runner and a writer friend and i was describing how like you know the beauty of these venues is that you these competitive venues is you can really throw yourself out there and if you do i think honestly um if you fail at your goal then it's okay like you did it honestly and you did it without pretense or facade and he like who's to say that you know who's to say you could have done better and why does that matter what they would say and yet she pushed back and said yeah peter but you've had a lot of success like you've improved a lot i mean imagine if i had was it a decade and a half ago i was a 256 marathoner and if i had had a journey of years of trying to improve on that time because i felt it was important and didn't that would be a very different uh journey and it might include injury and frustration and um, even depression. So I, for those who haven't followed all of the updates I put online, I basically put it out there that I wanted to qualify for the U.S. Olympic trials in 2020 and progressed my time up such that I ran. Uh, and the time I would have to beat is 219.00. And so in 2018, I ran 219.40, which people saw as like, oh, you're so close. But truthfully, like most of a minute is pretty far off. Um, when you are obsessing all those details, you're like, you know how far, I knew how far I, I was off. Um, and then I came back the following year and I ran 219.02. So I came, I've looked at the video and I came within five steps of qualify, qualifying for the US Olympic trials, um, which was my stated goal. Um, and so framed in one way, that's failure um and then framed in another way is like the best race i've ever run in my whole life that is far beyond what anyone what many people thought was possible for me um i think just objectively looking at the running i'd done in my life which had been, spanned over many years people didn't expect it and so 
I, I'm actually trying to write longer form about this now. And it, I struggle because it's so many layers. It's like failure wrapped in success, um, sitting within failure, but with so many details of success, um, which is both internal and external. You know, I get a lot of, um, to fail, but in a manner where people reach out to you from around the world and say, like, your post brought me to tears. Um, I don't think I could have done what you did. And I just, your willingness to share that with us in a moment of sadness and uh, dejection, like, astound me, it leaves me being like, well, okay, like, if that's failure, it's still, I'm, I'm like, doing okay. Um, and so I, I sometimes feel like a, I, I want to explore failure more and I, I'm trying to write about it more to better unpack the layers because, again, there's the writing that, if there is the doing, the writing, the editing, and the publishing, um, I I get a lot of payoff at each stage of that. Um, and so I, I have more frustration in my running journey than, or maybe I'm more willing to admit some of the frustration or... Un, uh, dive into it. I just find there's so many, I was thinking about this conversation ahead of time and thinking that, um, my overarching thesis is that there's more to be unpacked, like actually in the moment that we refer to than before or after, or, or, and it's, and none of it is really captured well and wrapped up in a bow. So, um, you know, social media and the internet in 2023 are rife with um, these headline statements. And I think the things that I'm most interested in, and I think most appreciate are like the in the moment. It's not, I've joked with people like uh, the truism, you know, it's about the journey, not the destination. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> what do you mean the journey? Like, it's just, that's so vague. To me, the journey is made up of an infinite amount of moments that are discrete, that are intense, that are like that you could write about for pages and pages. And that's most what I'm most uh, excited about and most obsessed with. Um, it sort of reminds me of that, like, is light, you know, a wavelength or a particle? Like it, I, if I'm on team particle when it comes to memories and moments and um, so you know, I ran 219.02 and then I came back six weeks later and I ran 219.20 for one final attempt on the final day. And like, I've written a little bit about that third race, but like, it was so intense and so emotional um, that, man, I'm getting teared up because like, I miss it. Like, I miss the there was just like i was if if 21940 like put me on the doorstep then 21902 like ripped my cover off um and so then i ran that last race so raw and so real internally and the fact that it went as well as it did and that i experienced missing out on the time um like in it was like i was watching a movie of myself i was still able to do it and there wasn't a lot of i had sort of honed my craft to the point where i could 
do the running and also experience it simultaneously. And it was so wonderful, uh, even as I was failing, that I'm trying to write about it more. And that honestly has left me, I'm three years in the aftermath of that race. And I'm a little bit languishing as a runner because it's, I was on such a plateau that was like so high and so exciting and so invigorating and I was so capable. I had all systems firing. Um, and so it's been difficult to get back to that because it was, um, it was very fun to be that good at running. And also it was the resulting experiences were super intense. Um, and so what people saw was I ran two nineteen twenty, and they're like, oh man, I can't believe he did that good of a performance again. People, people are very complimentary, but it, you know, I ran on the day next to men who ran a little bit faster and they qualified for this race that we'd all been trying for. Um, and to me, it's, I sometimes laugh to myself. I'm like, I guess this was all in pursuit of running this other race that then I went and cheered my friends on at. Um, but that, that very much becomes a side issue. Um, I'm like, how much was I even ever thinking about that? It was, I'm not even sure. Um, so it was, it's been a, something I'm trying to write more about because in no way was I going to qualify for the Olympics. Um, it's the race where the top three finishers qualify for the Olympics. But I think I, I'm trying to unpack it more because to me, the essence of what I was going through was, I think, very similar to what some of the, um, in different gradations, the professional athletes we're going through. Um, and so even as my identity as a runner, I arrived, I went to the Olympic trials as a fan, as a supporter. Um, and I've never felt more like comfortable in my own skin around other runners as I did at that point, because I had just, I felt like I had, uh, you know, run pretty well. I was, I was proud of how I'd run. And I also had bared my soul, um, in those efforts and in writing about those efforts. And so I just felt like, that's as true as you can be. And so then I, in hearing, I've listened to different interviews with Olympians or near Olympians, you know, some, you know, athletes who almost make it to the top of the sport. And I feel like I better understand. I feel bad for them often. I feel like I better understand what some of what they've gone through. I can understand how, you know, how simple it simplified it all can become um of like i didn't my, meet my time goal or i didn't become an olympian um and for them it's so all consuming that i i like find myself empathically like worrying about them like oh yeah if you wrap up your whole life's worth into the fact that we give three spots and not four spots and if you finish fourth or fifth or tenth you know like how do you make sense of your life um and at, at, while at the same time I got the benefit of like those, those experiences of quote unquote failure in my amateur hobby were so intense and so wonderful and so exciting that, and so joyful, uh, that like, I'll remember them forever. And so if that's failure, it's not, um, it's a particular type of failure. And it sounds like that, that actually kind of what, what you have been grappling with, what you are grappling with is perhaps not so much to do with failure, but actually about authenticity and kind of outside of that moment when we're experiencing it, like how do we how do we know that what happened 
happened what mm. makes an experience authentic and sort of ideas around kind of fraudulence as well I suppose um and do you think it's kind of sort of a, freeing ourselves from that mythology of ourselves that lets mm. us move on from it yeah I mean the authenticity is very central to it I think again it being running and marathoning in particular being a amateur pursuit um is I'm as I try to write more about this pursuit that I went through of the time and the context of the the efforts it does have to be placed in the context of everyday life and professional work um, which this is not for me and um being a father and a husband and a friend and realizing oh yeah in each of these forums of our life we wear different masks and we you know present in different ways and we aspire for different things and so um there are i'm trying to capture all the ways that it that it as a hobby which i think is really important to many of us um contain it offers a lot and it contains a lot of value and for me yeah the the authenticity is so self-evident um because i always say like i'm well aware of all the runners that are better than me um and so and that's almost freeing because then like on the day i don't feel a lot of um angst around like oh no i'm not as good as i'm just like this person's better than me i hope i can keep up what if i if i'm ahead of them then that's like oh man on on the day i'm it's a it's a booing effect of like here we go um and so when people present you know they'll say like he's an elite runner or he's an almost professional runner i it just makes me laugh because in my mind probably no one is more aware in the world of all the thousands of people who are better than than i am um and our sport all, like all sports can get like kind of silly and kind of i think it gets a little bit petty you're like well for this region for this age for this you know like we create smaller boxes in order to create distinction um and to me that's like that's fine sometimes this or that um i'm not sending back prize money if they send it to me but i am like <laughs> <laughs> like it's not what's core to the experience and it's not why i'm i'm out there um and so the uh i always say to people I, I love nothing more than when people when I catch people uh speaking almost in a grandiose lie about their own performance you know like because the sport is so raw and detail oriented um and I came I was raised a soccer player like I played soccer for 12 years and I loved that sport and loved the team element I often got like very frustrated with just how ambiguous it was and how like I, I wasn't even sure how I could get better and I just um it just felt like too squishy for me sometimes and I've come to appreciate what a beautiful game it is but um for me the authenticity of like the time being true the effort being there and um that means that we don't it can strip away a lot of the pomp and circumstance now I mean you see it you see the the sort of ego boasting when it comes to say the best athletes in the world all trying to get it play mind games with each other but that's not really um where we are as amateurs and so when i see someone 
over promoting themselves or I'm just like, oh, okay, um, not, that's not really for me because, um, it just feels so ephemeral that like, um, that present pre presentation, whereas I'm more fascinated with trying to document and write about the things that feel really true. So I, I wrote a piece, I pursued this time 219 starting in really 2017 and then by the fall of 2018 i wrote a piece called the marathon doesn't owe you anything because i and it's been one of my most widely read pieces and around the world still is like every week i see an update from medium of like 50 people have read it and i'm like man that's four years old um but what i was trying to do was again nail down in an authentic way the truths that i had experienced going through the journey of the marathon. So from the build-up to the lead-up to the race to the after during the race, the aftermath of the race, I was like, wow, this this roller coaster is really intense. Um and I wanted to name it. I wanted to put words to that. And what I've seen is that by doing putting those words down, it's been a tool for many people who are newer to the sport. And they're saying, whoa, this thing, maybe I haven't yet to run one or maybe I have just run one, but it's been that was so intense. Um, and someone, what I've heard from a lot of people is their, their friend will say like, oh, if you're, you know, trying to take the marathon more seriously, you should check out this essay by Peter because he really from, I wrote it for myself. I, I also knew by this point that other people might appreciate it, but, um, I, you know, I finished with a line that I can butcher, which basically says like, maybe that's why we cry at the end of races, like not for the gosh. Well, I always get choked up, not for the good or the bad, but for the honesty of, of the day of what we are on the day, that that's what we are on the day. Because I think that's how people are at the end of marathons. It's like, um, unless you, if you actually gave your all, which is all that I really care about, um, then you will have revealed something to yourself and others through that process um and i think there's many ways to run many different races you can you know run them with friends and you don't always have to go all out but i was just trying to capture like this weird portal of the world that we enter when we say okay i'm going to try to run 26.2 miles as fast as possible and then afterwards go like wait wait a second that just like stripped me raw beat me to pieces um i felt like trash and i loved it and i want to do it again <laughs> and it's like what what like why um <laughs> and so <laughs> that's to me its own if it were you know like a concoction that would be its own crazy uh concoction now other other endeavors i think i'm coming to understand reveal themselves to people in different ways um different you know whether i like reading about uh, 100 mile races 200 mile races uh you know uh through hikes through hikes of the uh, different trails around the world and to me, the, those were very foreign. What I'm trying to do is like capture the essence of the pursuit that I love. And as you've been reflecting on, there's something very pure in that paradox of how pain and joy can, can coexist together. Do you think that that would sort of answer the question as to why it's okay to keep breaking your heart over something that doesn't matter? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, absolutely. I think, um, again, this idea of when I thought about the, your, the name of your podcast running on joy, I thought about what is it 
about these the moments when I'm most joyful and find the most joy in this pursuit. And it is when myself and others um, sort of agree to bring our full selves to moments and to be just honest and present with each other and in in pursuit of this. And so um, I'm a very social person. I don't, I do a lot of running solo, um, but the idea of these day, these moments and these days where we show up really honestly um, and through the process um, kind of strip away the facades of you know how we present ourselves i think really is wonderful um and has brought me closer to all sorts of people that i otherwise wouldn't know or wouldn't know in any real way um and at time and it and that whole cycle can become addictive um because in it's it's sort of emotionally dangerous to try to do that on a day-to-day basis, just going through life. Like even as honest as this conversation has been, it's been very one way. I haven't gotten to know you all that well. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I would say that it'd be wonderful to get to know you, but I know meaningfully we like we would have to maybe do something together. We would have to um give each other a chance to um share that endeavor. Um, and so that's yeah, definitely what brings me back to. I sometimes find myself like almost jealous of these people who seem to gain true joy, just like frolicking solo out in the mountains. Um, I'm like, man, I like being outdoors uh, <laughs> and I do it a lot. But, um, but I'm not frolicking. Like, yeah, I'm not frolicking. Maybe I need to learn how to frolic per- in a particular way. Um, and are they able to achieve, um, you know, are they able to find multiple access points to you know being truly joyful um in a in such a like low stakes way or low um in a way that can come about in many different ways i mean i think there is and like i took i think we started by talking about like the physical the emotional the psychological elements of this um i've had days where we do um you know talk about enjoy the journey not just the destination i've had days with my teammates where we go out and run hard long run workouts um and at some point in whether the whether it's right after the workout or there was one day in particular i remember i got in my car and i was like oh there it is and it was just like my endorphin level got jacked to a thousand i was just (laughs) like whoa you know it's like talk about runner high um it was you know people always refer to like is it real or not i'm like well if you can have a moment where like in these moments that like the physical exertion unlocks all sorts of emotions and and meaningfully physical chemicals that like on a saturday afternoon you've just like accomplished something you didn't accomplish no you could with friends um and then like you're headed to like recover and see your family. Uh, it's a pretty wonderful moment that I think I know wasn't uh, a moment that was open to me, you know, say five hours earlier when I woke up on a beautiful Saturday morning. It just like sitting there wasn't the same as having um, really pushed myself with my friends and tested myself and unlocked all these uh, physical and psychological feelings. Um, so, yeah, I think there's there's so much there and it's endless 
to unpack for me. Sometimes I'm like, I look at my own Instagram and I'm like, man, he's just, I'm just saying the same old thing over and over. And over. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's, it's doing pretty explore. well. Like even four years later, <laughs> people are still reading this shit. So like, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I have marveled social media in particular. I'm like, I have no idea how this, this plays out. Um, and it's part of the reason I've wanted to write longer form. I think the medium is the message. So it is, it'll inevitably be different, but there's things that I just jotted down on social media for myself and for like to share with others years ago that I'm like, man, that's like, um, it's so ephemeral and it's so digital and being washed down the river. Um, and as a writer, I'm like, I want to grab some of those and put them back on um, almost my mantelpiece. Like if I was a woodworker or, you know, a printmaker, even if it was a small print, if it was the, of equivalent emotional value, I would probably put it on my wall. And so there's things that I um, maybe saw and documented for the first time, let's say five years ago, but that I keep coming back to and I want to kind of bring together uh, in a more lasting way. That's such a lovely idea. I actually do um, lino printing, but I'm not offering to lino print your Instagram. Yeah. You might, <laughs> might be here a while. I'll just send it all over. <laughs> and you sort of, um, you you touched on it there, but if you were going to distill um, some of that wonderful reflection, just to answer my final question that I ask everyone on the podcast, which is what does joy mean to you, Peter? <laughs> um, I'm glad that I, had listened to your podcast so I was able to know that this would be how we would end um it's clearly I think not I've frolicking touched... not frolicking <laughs> not frolicking although I'm not against frolicking I just haven't learned how to do it right um the <laughs> so for me um when I gave it some thought it's what I've already touched on which is joy for me is when I'm in a moment with others and we're all like committed to being there presently um and really trying um and that can take many forms you know it can take a full i've written a lot about how it can be fully intense marathon pr effort days um i was for some reason in thinking about this or not for some reason like maybe obviously it brought me back to like one moment on the dance floor at my wedding when i was surrounded by all the people who love me and like just this almost transcendental moment of excitement of everyone jumping up and down and being present together. And so that to me was obviously pure joy. Um, and yeah, that's, there are many other elements moments in my life because I'm very fortunate when that has come to fruition. Um, but those are the elements that I try to, I mean, that I really structure my year around. I realized how, if I want to step back from marathoning, because I've been doing it quite a bit, um, I would, I couldn't just kind of pull the rug out and then assume that psychologically I could make it through a year without some sort of structure. Because I, I end up structuring my, how I think about a year in relation to what are the, when are the moments in my year when I'm going to get together with other people and we're all going to do something um, that's going to be maybe difficult, require a lot of effort before, during, and after. Um, and those are super exciting. And the emotional come down from those moments, uh, it can be pretty intense. Like the week after a major marathon can often feel like, ugh. And so um, that's its 
own doc experience that's you know well documented but that that to me is what makes my a year um make sense to me um so when they're like i have friends who are you know like what are your goals for 2023 and my brain i think instinctively and um for safety immediately clicks to uh, like okay when am i doing big efforts with others like what's the build-up for that okay that's how i'm going to break down that um and it doesn't need to only be running it's also you know like summer uh, adventures with my family but um that helps like break down a 12-month sort of nebulous mass into what are these moments of joy that i can look forward to that will help uh, like give me structure and um something to point to on a daily basis and is it Boston that say Boston is next for you in terms of things that are on on the calendar, so to speak? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm running my eighth Boston in four and a half weeks, and it'll be super exciting. Um, I, I, I'm still as I age. I'm 41 now, trying to figure out how to make sense of um, returning to places and making them of um similar value it's sort of like when you're climbing a mountain you just kind of put one foot in front of the other and you know where you're headed and so then as i've i've run from for myself i've run pretty well at boston a couple of times like had positive experiences and so it's a harder it's a more difficult question to answer like what does success look like but for all the things i've discussed over the last hour i uh, it's probably obvious to anyone why it's exciting to me and why I'm looking forward to it. Um, and so, yeah, Boston is always both a day that people, enough people deem like worth, uh, you know, committing to and making worth making exciting. And then it's always difficult enough that uh, it can be really, it's an emotional journey for almost everyone. You know, you just get like really high highs and really low lows and you're picking people up. Um, while also, you know, like hugging other people. And sometimes you've never even met that person before. Um, you're just like, bring it in. Um, so to <laughs> me, that's what makes the whole weekend very exciting. That's so wonderful. And if people want to to follow all of all of your work um, and also your journey to Boston that might not be a tourist guide to Boston <laughs> if you want to Hawaii, is anything to go by with a yeah, picture of the hill? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not about the best places to do that. Yeah. So my last name Bromka is uh, fairly unique. And so I have uh, Bromka at Gmail and also peterbromka.com is where I um, both put up my essays and also um created years ago i created a mailing list i did i mean what's hilarious is like again with this with the complex digital world um i would put i would sort of pour my heart out into these essays and then put them online and then people would be like oh have you put written an essay recently and i would say like well yeah i thought you would have seen it on all these social blah 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 so i four years ago i created a email list which is um now very common um but it's just a way of saying like here i'm not going to spam you i'm just going to send you a, uh, a link to my latest piece whenever it is ready um and that just happens opportunistically so yeah peterrocka.com has a link to my what is currently a substack but um when i got started with this that uh, this years ago that didn't even exist so if we speak in a few years um you know my words might be on another platform we've never heard of we haven't heard of yet um and that's what i think <laughs> It sort of makes this interesting as well. Thank you so much, 
Peter. Um, you, you said that, you know, joy is in commitment and you've committed so much of, of yourself with your generous words um, and um, emotional, uh, you know, reflections today. And I, I'm really, really grateful for that. Oh, so thank you. Thank and you so much. I hope that we can, we can connect yes. again in, in, in the future, um, not necessarily over Substack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, in more in an endeavor together. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm so grateful to the community that is growing around the podcast and if you've enjoyed today's episode I would so appreciate if you can share it with your communities and help spread the message of support, perseverance and joy further. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests you can find me on Instagram at running underscore on underscore joy. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time for Running on Joy.